Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's a Dapper Devil production, see? Welcome back to Podcats, the podcast about cats, the musical, not the animal. Um, I'm Ian Brodsky. I'm Karina Stokes. And uh, we have a special guest with us today. Karina, would you like to introduce her? All right. Well, this is uh, mostly my friend, but also yours. Um, she starred heavily, in my opinion, in a western, rural western Massachusetts production of High School Cats. Um, the best writer I know and also plays too much D&D. This is my friend Lindsay Palmer. Hey, Lindsay. Hi, I'm not going to correct the record on any of that. It's all true. Great. I tell no lies. All right, so today we are going to discuss horny teenage cats. Boy, what a way to come out of the gate. (laughs) Yes, so um, even though um, this may not be in the right order, um, this is the first episode we're recording of podcasts. Not the uh, roundup of the movie or the musical, but um, we're starting fresh fresh out the gate swinging at 10 a.m., with a guest over the phone about the horny teenage kittens. It's all there on the tin, right? It, like, you like know. Doing them, doing them in order of age from... Nah, we're just, uh, when we could schedule, oldest, folks. Or in order of horniness. Uh, oh, a, a great air, question. Air-wise, you know, it's up, it's we'll up for see. grabs. We'll see what happens, honestly. Maybe we should do it in order of horniness. <laughs> we could. Surprise, it's oh. the whole show. <laughs> Um, okay, anyway, um, so the three cats we are going to focus on today are Jemima slash Syllabub, or as I like to call it, Jamilabub, Victoria the White Cat, and um, of course, everyone's favorite, the magical Mr. Mistopheles. Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. So, um, let's start off with Jemima slash Syllabub, or henceforth known as Jamilabub. Um, and this is because um, a lot of the cats, of course, as we know, they have names, but who really are they? We don't really know. Um, unless you're like me, who has done the show and uh, knows a lot about it to a sad extent. I mean, you just tell me what she did literally yes. less than five minutes ago, and I did forget already. Exactly. So, um, Jemima slash Syllabub is like this calico cat-looking thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, continue. Um, and she is one of the, she's probably the youngest cat in the tribe. So she is the one that sings in the musical the bits of memory uh, with Grizabella towards the end. Um, she's very young, very innocent. Um, she sings like that bit of moments of happiness, okay. which opens Act okay. Two, which is a song that kind of is a clunker. Um, yep. Yep. And she's pretty much loved by everyone. Uh, the 
lore is that she may be Victoria's sister or younger sister because she has not yet mated. Mm. We're going to be talking a lot about mating on this podcast. Boy. Gear the fuck up. And uh, she is the first one to sort of relate to Grizabella. And um, also she may be psychic because uh, she can somehow telepathically talk to old Deuteronomy as well as a couple of the other cats. See, now here's something that you brought up just last night that I don't... When did the cats get psychic? I don't know. How um, many? I thought Mistopheles is the only magical cat. He's the only magical cat. He's the one who does tricks, but like some of them are like telepathic and like no moons and stuff. Like, hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Again, this is all like lore. This is all like headcanon. <laughs> this is nothing like the deep cats lore. This, exactly. This is deep state cat shit. Yeah, and if it never ever comes up, then is it canon? You know, is it's any a, parts of cats canon? Right. Is uh, Mistopheles spins. Not in Not the in recording. The but we'll get to that. We will get to that. Because Karina has thoughts. <laughs> so many thoughts. Um, if you asked most people on the street, they would not be able to tell you that this is a cat and cats. Right. So, but this is a podcast about cats, so we are going to talk about it all. And now, um, to double check. Yes. She hasn't made it at the start. Does she mate in the cat orgy? I don't think so. Like, she definitely flirts with a lot of cats, but like her, her coming of age is like not... A thing, She's really. gonna that's come what, of age in cats too. Right, that's what I think. That's my theory. The catening. <laughs> the catening. Um, but yeah, so um, she is called Jemima in the London production, the original one. Um, but her name was changed to Syllabub in the U.S. versions because uh, Jemima has racist connotations, mm-hmm. and um, they mm-hmm. they knew that in 1983. Good um, for them, right? Um, what else do I have in my notes here? She may be psychic. That's fun. Um, as far as relationships go, um, she, a lot of these cats like might be like the brother, sister, uncle, son, niece, nephew of any other given cat. Yes, gross. Um, right. I mean, because cat orgy. Um, yes, gross. Do you think anyone like like outside of the lore, like in the universe of cats, do you think they know who, like, respective fathers and daughters are? So. Here's the thing I was wondering, sort of related to that question, which is how many times do you have to see cats to be able to figure out all the mating patterns? Because they're all just a big old mess in the middle of the stage. I don't know. I mean, certain ones feel like apparent. Like if we're going off of sort of the PBS one, which I know most of us listening to this recording probably are, Mm -hmm. you're probably going mostly by like the ones that you see in there. So that's like monkey strap and Demeter, like mm-hmm. Tugger mm-hmm. and possibly Bombalurina or Tugger and Mistopheles, which we'll get to. We'll get to like, it. Like there are certain pairings that kind of line up quite a bit. Like you could argue like Jenny, Annie Dots and Buster for Jones. Like, I would rather not a... argue that at all. <laughs> <laughs> what, Lindsay? I, I was going to put in another vote for Please, like, please. Not think about that one. That's a... It's a can of worms. There's a lot going on there. Exactly. Um, they're also competitors, but... Right. So Jamilabob might be, um, they, the, the uh, internet thinks she might mate with Tumble Brutus in the future, who is another one of the horny teenage kittens that I we won't discuss as much. do love Tumble Brutus he because is the his tumbler. name is the most literal. Right. He's Tumbles and um, he's Tumbles. He tumbles and um, he, I don't know, stabs Caesar. Um, <laughs> That's a long time. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, like, finally, uh, Jemima might be Grizabella's daughter or granddaughter. And um, the final theory is, like, maybe she is from the same litter as the other f- 
female kittens of that. Um, the female kittens being Victoria, the white cat, Electra, and etc., who are all other auxiliary cats who probably just understudy those two roles. Um, she sings, as we discussed, uh, the, the bit of Moments of Happiness, that right. sounds like memory, yep. and she sings with Grizabella in memory proper, the second memory, not the fake-out memory that ends Act 1. The real memory. The real memory, like the, yeah, the touch-me memory. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And, you know, I mean, you're right, no, but... But, I, but it's so wrong. Um, so, question... Do these songs slap? Moment of Happiness objectively does not slap. Objectively, no. Moment of Happiness is a song I A, forget about, and B, don't care about. Right. Um, Memory, objectively, has to slap. Not in the traditional sense, but like... But it's memory. It's memory. It's memory. Scientifically speaking, and statistically speaking, given the number of people who know it, memory slaps the most. Uh, Oh, yeah, like that's... A fact. If you listen to the London cast recording on Spotify, there's actually three memory tracks because there's fake memory, yeah. there's real memory, and then there's the radio edit of memory. Right, which, which is means just... this song, you could turn on your radio in the morning on your drive to work and hear memory playing. Yeah, that's a thing. I mean, like, we kind of see it, like, nowadays. I think they did it with Hamilton a bit or, like, Dear Evan Hansen, like, because popular music like styles are kind of coming back into fashion when it comes to Broadway. But like that was a thing that you saw like on the radio quite a bit, like up until like maybe the nineties or like, or just even like the mid eighties um, with show tunes on the radio. And like now you have like Sirius yeah. XM and all that yeah. stuff. Like um, we'll obviously talk more about memory when it's Grizabella's turn, but like it's fine. It's, it's a song. Everyone knows it. you can't audition with it. Right. Um, it's a meme. It's a meme. But it, it does slap. It does slap. But I will say, those are my favorite fucking parts. Yeah. For some reason, I love Jamila Bub. Like, she is Her my favorite one. Her voice is very good. It's like, I love that lyrical soprano thing. Fun fact, she was Sarah Brightman in the original London production. Okay. Andrew Lloyd Webber's ex-wife and um, original Christine Daae from Phantom of the Opera. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, so Jamila Bub is essentially the Andrew Lloyd Webber muse, and I think I've just talked myself out of loving this character. Yeah, you... Really went in a quick went emotional journey. <laughs> real, and it's only 10 a.m. Yikes. Um, and so finally, does she fuck? Not yet, Not but yet. she will. Right, we discussed this, like, probably at cat, in Cats 2. Um, well, here, I want to I throw a wrench in the words here. Please. Um, am I mistaken, or during the cat orgy, does every major production mix up the pairings? Ooh. Because... I recall discussion of, oh, well, you see, in this production, which took place later than this production, um, it was Rum Tum Tugger and this cat, and then maybe Zillabub is over here with this cat, or um, does she ever fuck or in across all productions? This show has been on since 1981. She must have fucked at least once. At least. Like, she's at least, have, like, has gotten the practice in. I think you could argue any of this, and that's why we are here is to um, basically create a salon of cat fucking. Quick aside, okay. speaking of cat orgies, <laughs> terrible sentence. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, this was a show my actual real high school decided would be a good idea to do. Right. Did, I was not in it because as a freshman in high school, I was like, I can't do cats, which is the biggest mistake of my life. It's okay. But Lindsay did do cats. Yes. Boy, did I. Did... How, how did they address the cat orgy? <laughs> um, the, well, 
the cat orgy was you see at our high school the everybody who auditions gets put in the chorus like if you don't get a lead role you get put in the chorus 300 strong is what i always say which is probably too many (laughs) but cats had such a tremendous chorus um that there were there were like 50 cats at a time on stage and only half of them knew how to dance i was in the other half uh so the cat orgy was basically a very simply structured dance routine uh that even a dunce could master uh which i still did not and the with like punctuated by actual dancers who were in the actual dance classes and who knew how to actually dance uh coming up and doing more impressive uh and kind of show snappy dance moves so but in that it was all like a larger choreographed space so there were actually no pairings to my knowledge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I was, we had just, like, the big bridge, which I was, I believe, underneath at the time, because that was as close to the back as you could be, um, oh. and they, all of, like, the main character cats were sort of elsewhere, so were there extremely specific pairings? Not sure. Um, you weren't close enough to the know. action. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, well, <clears throat> thankfully, um... <laughs> I, you know, if you think about it, our whole theater department was kind of like that. Anyway. Yeah, um, no, you're right. The, <laughs> it was pairing off. None of us could hear, keep track in real life. You think we could keep track when we're all in cat makeup? <laughs> um, so I'm thinking because our theater director probably didn't want to open up the can of worms of which cats could fuck, um, that it was not a consideration that we put a whole lot of thought into. So at so no the point... the answer is which students happened to be fucking at the time. Mm. And I Messy. know some of those answers, but we're not going to air them here. Yeah, we're not going to... So at no them, point... Drag them, drag them, At no them. point did uh, our beloved high school theater teacher ever say the words cat orgy to a group of high school students. He did not. Okay, good. Um, That's mostly what I wanted to know. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can't... I can't prove this, but given how he structured the cat orgy as just, like, a cool dance number with, like, cool synchronized choreography and no thrusting, I'm guessing that cat orgy was something he was deliberately avoiding. See, this is why I didn't know there was a cat orgy until I was 26 years old. Got it. Okay. Yeah, you were protected. I was, and I should have stayed that way. What year did you do cats, Lindsay? 2007. Oh shit, me too. Yes, I did realize yeah, that. It was the year of cats. It was the year of the cats. cats. It was the cats renaissance. Um, All right. Everything about our high school production of cats was just wild. Yeah. And that's about. Woof. It was a time. <laughs> you woofed in a cats podcast. Yeah, well, um, that's what they deserve. Right. Hey, well, I mean, we did do peaks and follicles. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I'm jealous about because I played Monkey Strap and I did not get to do peaks and follicles. Yeah, because it was a youth like a youth theater community production, so everyone was between like seven and seventeen. So like a lot of things were like abridged and cut and like a lot of like fat was trimmed, which like is a good thing for cats, but like as someone who like I guess likes attention more than he likes to admit, like having peaks in the pollicles would have been baller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually I really like the song. Also, Me too. I was a I was a 
featured actor in Beaks and Follicles. Hell yeah, it's true. I was a follicle. All right, well. I peak. I, there's no difference. Same hat. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's speaking of, oh, go on. explicitly different ads. That's how you can tell them apart. Oh, well. All right, well, speaking of um, cat orgies, let's move on to Victoria, the white cat. Now, um, there's a lot to say about Victoria because she doesn't say anything in the musical, but she is the entire centerpiece of the movie. Which I am still questioning. I'm questioning. I get it, but I'm also like, why? Well, so my theory, of course, is that they made her the main character of the movie because she's the sexiest cat. And they're like, we need to make this the sexiest cat movie we can. Sure. So let's let's go out with a best foot forward and put the sexy cat as the okay. main character. Now, well, now what do you call Bomb Ballerina then? Taylor Swift. In this con- in that context, yeah, they kind of like Taylor Swift opted for the villain treatment, but we'll talk more about that when we talk about uh, just, the sexy lady. Especially cats. having just watched the PBS recording and watched Victoria get fully groped on stage right like that's the whole thing like victoria is like a literally her arc is she's the symbol of purity that like loses that like loses her virginity like that comes of age this you could argue that even in the musical version a lot of this show is about her finding a mate at least in the first act because she signals the invitation to the jellicle ball which like is basically a coming of age masturbation dance in my opinion um even though she's, like, one of the youngest of the tribe, like, she's definitely, like, going into woman cat hood or whatever. She is seen finding her mate during the Jellicle Ball, which, um, it, it proves successful if you've seen that PBS version or any, uh, staged professional production, as is, as per the tradition. She is, she doesn't speak a whole lot, um, she doesn't sing a whole lot, so there is a theory that she is deaf or mute in the mm. musical. Um, as opposed to the movie where she is basically given a Taylor Swift song that is the mirror reverse of memory. Yes. She's got those beautiful ghosts. Right, right after memory, too. Right after right after, it. right after first memory. You have new memory. New memory. I believe it does also come up after memory, memory. Right, because yes. it, cause it's like the uh, ending. like It's like the credit song when like Taylor Swift T-Swift sings, sings it in it, the credits, yeah. yes. Yes. No, but doesn't isn't there also like a verse of it? A as, reprise? Uh, is yeah. there? There might be. I don't remember that. But there, here's the part I remember about. about what I remember about memory is all the snot. So <laughs> right. That was that was Right, right. Uh, Jennifer Hudson was snot crying. Oh, poor thing. Yeah. All right. Who's her she, mother? Her her mother. Who knows? Um, it might be Grizz. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a theory that she is Grizabella's daughter who was given to the tribe right around the time that Grizabella was excommunicated to, from the tribe. Uh-huh. Like, hey, I have a baby and you can fuck off. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, clearly she's the mate of one of the other horny teenage male cats. She might be Jemima's sister, as we said. Um, what else? Oh, the fun theory. She might be Skimbleshanks' daughter. Hell yeah. Like, I, right. Interesting. I would love it. Ha- yes. Yeah. Why? Why? What do you mean, why? So, so some person on the internet said. Love is trains. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my God, is she half train? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Someone on the internet was like, "I think Victoria Singleton's daughter," and they were like, "Partial credit." <laughs> A for effort. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe because like 
they're both that I, I don't even have a reason this is just something i read that i was like i don't know they're both like delightful they are um yeah but in the movie she is more being welcomed to the tribe yeah like, the whole movie starts with her being thrown out of a fucking car window. At the worst possible music cue. At the worst possible music cue. Like, it wasn't even, like, on the right music cue. Nope. Um, and then the whole story just basically takes place with Robbie Fairchild being like, what's your deal? Here's our deal. Right. And let me spell out the entire premise of what's going on here for you. Which she's she's us. She's supposed to she's be us. us. She is the yeah, audience. She's the, she's the audience surrogate, but... Well, I okay, I have a lot of thoughts about that. Please. I think that being the audience surrogate and having an audience surrogate in the first place is actually a smart move on the part of Cats the movie, um, Cats parentheses 2019, mm-hmm. because nice. the musical is itself, um, to put it delicately, a little hard to follow sometimes. Sure. So having a surrogate cat who the audience explicitly follows... Um, and has everything explained to her and not just sort of to the ether or directly to the camera um, would be, uh, you know, theoretically the easier choice to understand. See, the do- problem set in when Victoria stops being an audience surrogate and starts to, starts to do things that don't make a lot of sense in context or that distract from the musical... For instance, I actually really, really like the song Beautiful Ghosts, and I, it is my, now my go-to shower song. Wow, hot take. Mm-hmm. Sticking it right after Memory is a weird choice. It's not because Memory is sacred, although uh, in Cats the Musical it kind of is, but it its placement there kind of makes it feel like suddenly Rosabella's problems are not the real problems. Mm. The real problems belong to the audience surrogate, who has all of these feelings. Um, all these feelings is right. And for another thing, she's a kitten who hasn't been excommunicated from anything. So, yes. Well, she has been excommunicated from her home. Right. That's, that's true. She was excommunicated from that car, but the, <laughs> you know, who, the, the, what's the human world anyway? Right. Uh, you know who doesn't know what the human world is? Angela Weber. Well, him <laughs> and... um. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself on blast here. Okay, is it Tom Hopper or Tom Hooper? Tom Hooper. Okay, he also doesn't know what the human world is. Hot take. He, he doesn't know what size the human world is. Right. Sure. This and is the first time we're gonna ask it. How big is a cat? Right. And we've asked it the whole time because this movie will not tell you. Right. And if we're... you want to know how big a cat is, do not watch Cats 2019. Yes, like that scale is all over the goddamn map. Now, Lindsay, what I will say is, like, I actually agree with you to an extent about um, having Victoria in as, like, an audience surrogate. Like, some, like they having the audience surrogate part is, like, smart. It did Because Cats it. is not for everyone. No. Yeah, it's a smart choice. But... It didn't work out. Exactly. I don't know if I agree with the specific choices within that choice, but you also very much more eloquently than I ever could discussed those problems and flaws and stuff so Lindsay, you mentioned beautiful ghosts and now it's time to ask the question does it slap slap is not the correct term for it the only reason that slap is the correct term for memory is that um the actress always goes so hard no Mm -hmm. matter who it is right so that it earns the slaps label um beautiful ghosts no Um, i agree 
but it is it is a more solid song than it is getting credit for among the diehard cats fandom um <laughs> yeah I, I think that it has it has good ideas there it has uh to tie together a movie specifically a cinematic experience it has good ideas and good themes and also it's pretty and it's can confirm extremely fun to sing um and it's right there in the middle of my range which most songs are not so i can i can just go for it and you can great. go hard on it which is good yeah it does not slap is it a good um, song I also say in the movie they don't auto-tune or like support francesca hayward's voice in any in any sort of um computer way which i think was actually an extremely brave choice and i'm glad they did it because yeah me too if you you know she's not a singer um but she doesn't have to be because she just like that that works for the character and her natural voice is very pretty whereas if you look at beauty and the beast featuring emma watson they auto-tuned her so heavily they auto-tuned the shit out of like everything in that movie now I, I mean, I agree with you, but I'm also, maybe I'm just part of the Cats fandom and not a Taylor Swift fan, but my notes say, fuck this song. Um, <laughs> I mean, it does sound like a Taylor Swift song it, in the middle of Cats. Exactly. That's it my problem with like it. It does sound like a Taylor Swift song in the middle of Cats. And I think if it had been anywhere except for Next to Memory, it would have been less noticeable. Mm-hmm. I don't know, though. Like, maybe, again, I might just be like a purist or an apologist, but like... I don't. Cats I just, apologist. A cat's apologist. I know, but like, I just like, I did not need this song. Like, well, it sounds, it sounds more like memory than it sounds like any other cat song, and that's because it also was not written by T. S. Eliot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But memory was not only written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. It was written by Tim Rice. Wasn't who wrote Beautiful Ghosts? Taylor Swift. Okay, Taylor that Swift. makes sense. That's yeah. what I thought. It's a good song standalone it maybe it's just not a song that needed to be in cats right like i don't know i guess again maybe i'm a cats purist but like i didn't need victoria to be like i didn't need victoria to have her own problems <laughs> like yeah, i definitely I, didn't need her to have her own problems but typically the audience surrogate gets like a tiny bit of character like yes i do want to stay here yes sure. so if she had had that moment at any other point in the musical like, if she had had her song, like, sort of towards the end, Deuteronomy's back, Isabella's not here yet, uh, I, can't, I have a moment of self-reflection, I think that would have been the perfect time yeah. for that song. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, because uh, something I learned was that um, the role of Victoria was supposed to be the cat that sings those bits of memory and moments of happiness. However, they couldn't find a dancer that was a strong enough singer so they split the role, and thus Jemima Syllabub, Jamilabub, was born. Yeah, the reason that Victoria is mute is literally just from a technical standpoint. Literally. That it's hard to find someone who can sing and she also dance, dance like that. that. At least it was in 1981. Because it's a hard dance role, right? It is. Like, um, yeah, it's the hardest dance role. Right, like Victoria, and we'll discuss Mistopheles from like a technical um, live standpoint, but like those are those two are probably like the hardest dance roles because they are right. the dance roles. They're the dance roles. Um, and there's probably so Mistopheles much... Because Mistopheles also doesn't have a full song he sings himself right. in, well, depending on which Again, we'll version get to you that. watch. Right. Now, we're probably missing a ton of details and theories and, like, context clues about these two kittens and that if the cat stands, find out and catch wind of this, they might come for our throats. But now we have to ask the question, Victoria, 
does she fuck? I mean, she literally fucks on stage. Literally. Like, she's the Venla Bergman, that's a Spring Awakening reference, guys, um, of <laughs> Cats the Musical. Okay. Like, we literally see it go down. Gross. I, that, I mean, you're right, but I... You're I'm, right. I did not realize what I was saying when I said that. Um, I will also want to interject that there is something very unpleasant about having to call them kittens. I know. Yeah. You're I, right? I feel like it should be one or the other. Yeah, I know. But that's what they are. That's what they are. They're like the children cats. Which, we sh- if they're the children cats... That's worse. You made it worse. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm just fucking this up. So are they. Yeah. Um, Facts. Also, I feel like we would be remiss if I didn't double check that Victoria's whole dance is with Plato, right? Um, historically, quote, canonically, like, mm-hmm. yes. Um, Victoria's, like, mate is typically the ensemble cat that doubles as McCavity. Right. Um, which historically in, like, the Broadway and London productions um, from back in the days of the 80s is Plato. Um, okay. I don't know if that was on purpose or if it was just because they happened to find like another great technical dancer that could do all the partnering stuff with Victoria and right, like lower, right. lower her down and like bed her. Touch her boobs. Touch her boobs. So I'm wondering if, I don't know if that was like a choice or they just chose like the, da- the male dancer who could do all the partnering stuff, but then also all of the McCavity battle mm-hmm. stuff because McCavity in his one like big moment has to do like a lot of even partnering with like Monkey Strap, who's supposed right. to be like the tallest of the tall, um, tall boy cat, tall boy cat, um, which uh, we'll talk to my friend Michael about having played. Um, okay, guys, I think it's time. Okay, we talk about everyone's the... favorite cat, my friend and yours, <laughs> the magical Mister Mistopheles. So as we have, we'll have discussed. Um, I took a BuzzFeed quiz. Yes. I make everyone take the BuzzFeed quiz. Yes which is BuzzFeed's Which Cat from Cats Are You? Um, I'm sure it's somewhere... It's predated Cats the Musical, or Cats the Movie. Yes, right? it's, it's taking its data from not the movie, not Cats 2019. Um, I don't remember any of the questions, but what I do remember extremely vividly is that I took this quiz and it said, you are magical Mr. Mistopheles. Congratulations. If I'm remembering correctly, I believe that's also what you got, Lindsay? That is also what I got. Yes. I was also at... The full title is important here. Magical Mr. Misophilus. Yes. Right. He's, um, he, uh, he has a vocation. He's a magical cat. He's a magical cat. He's the only cat that, like, performs tricks. Yes. Um, in, if you watch the behind-the-scenes feature of the PBS recording, um, the actor who plays Mistopheles describes him as sort of this child prodigy magician who is kind of, like, finding his, uh, himself and his powers. Um, he's historically... Probably, like, a flashy gay yes. cat. Um, in fact, like, we were very disappointed in the movie when he was not. The movie did Mistopheles so dirty. Right. So dirty. Um, the movie made some weird choices. The movie, as my friend said, immediately after seeing it, he came out of the theater and said, they nerfed Mistopheles. Um, which they did they took all of his power and put it away they said no power for you Mistopheles right because most of his power comes from his incredible homosexuality yes right like we we watched the movie again or not the movie we watched the uh, musical recording last night and um there's literally a part where he pulls like a A glittering rainbow sash sash out of a bucket bucket. Yeah. yeah well his Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. So, 
we'll get to that in just a second. But as far as who this guy is, uh, he's another, perfect. He's he's quiet. He's small. He's black. That is yep. in, That is the first lyrics of the song. Um, he brings old Deuteronomy back after McCavity has been uh, out and about and kidnapping him. But he brings Deuteronomy back by sacrificing another cat. So he does not morally. He, there's some. <laughs> Morally gray intentions. I was going to say morally, this show is all over the fucking map. Um, every cat is has chaotic. Issue. Every cat is problematic. Um, he is known for his conjuring turn, yep. which is um, in the live versions of the musical, known for him doing a lot of turns because, again, he is a dancer role. How many turns, Ian? Um, apparently, twenty-four. And I don't know what the fancy name for the turn is. Uh, twenty-four. In the, this case, it would be turns a la seconde, which is second position turns. It has um, a name that starts with an F? Uh, Fuertes, yes. which are technically the lady version of it. Um, I don't know why they gender and like two different kinds of turns, but anywho. Uh, he turns a lot, and he jumps a lot, and um, he is magic. He shoots lightning from his fingertips, except for when he doesn't in the movie. 24 spins. And you know how many spins we got in both the recording and Cats 2019? How many? Zero! <laughs> <laughs> Zero spins. Yeah, yeah, I'm he hurt. He's been nerfed. He does. Um, so I, uh, again, am Mistopheles. I'm also a Leo. Yes. And so I relate deeply to Mistopheles because I too want all the attention on me, but I do not want to ask for it. I would like someone to come up and be like, hey, guess what? Let's all pay attention. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Else. Exactly. Karina. That is the exact purpose of this podcast is to fulfill that prophecy. I want someone to be like, let's hype up Karina. Just like someone was like, we're going to hype up Mistopheles right oh, now. Oh, man. If you could bring back like a dead relative, I'd be like, you got to see this chick. <laughs> right. Listen, guys, <laughs> this chick is magic. Um, I also, too, want to shoot lightning from my fingertips. Oh, who doesn't? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a given. That's a real but in the movie, he is sort of like an awkward wallflower, anxious teenager type. He's like a nerd. He's like a nerd who ends up with Victoria. Which... Even which, more heterosexual than Victoria. Right. Yes. Like, like, it is weird. Like, they gave him, like, the perks of being a wallflower treatment. Like... Yeah. It's just kind of strange. And, like, does he bring old Deuteronomy back in the movie? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Karina, <laughs> do you want... I think yeah. so. Like, Karina, do you want to like talk about your theory on this with the basket? Oh, with the basket. So uh, Dame Judi Dench, a, a wonderful woman, yes. um, did not know what was happening. Correct. They just made her show up. Dame Judi Dench brought her own basket. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not an old Deuteronomy prop. That's Judi Dench being like, look, I'll come to set, but I'm staying in my basket. And so... <laughs> She had a homing device on her basket. She walked from the barge set back to the basket set. And she's like, oh, shit, you're filming Mistopheles? I'm here. Oh, and I have lines. How convenient. Right? And if it fits, I sits. Yes, that's Dame Judy Dench. That's her slogan. As <laughs> I sits, I'm Dame Judy Dench. I just, from the moment it started in the film, and it's this, like, timid, sad cat holding a pencil, which I'm not sure, again, how big are cats? Is that supposed to be a large novelty pencil or a regular-sized pencil? Is this pencil supposed to be as, like, one? Yes, but it's just a pencil, a normal-ass yeah, pencil. Even for, a, even for a cat, that pencil is oddly-sized. Yes. Right. Like, everything. like, I'm watching, I'm looking, not watching, I'm looking, Karina has a pen in front of her. I do. And I'm thinking, like, okay. If you put this in a cat paw. 
It would be a rather large wand. Right. Like, it might be a, karm- a comically large wand for a cat. Um, so I don't buy it. Also, I don't understand how his hat works with his ears in the movie. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot there is about a that. moment in the movie when he removes his hat and his ears go with it, revealing another second set of ears underneath. Yes. What is with the second layers of... Like, Why do cats have so many extraneous body parts? Right. I don't yeah, know. Like second skin, he's second just, ears. He's just so like, he's so sad and doesn't unsure of himself. And that is not what Mr. Mistopheles is right. about. That because is not his art. Crush on Victoria as soon as she arrives, and he just makes a fool of himself for like ninety percent of the movie. And that's how the movie shows that he has a big crush on Victoria. Right. He just um, chose the most heterosexual plot. All he would have to do is spin a whole bunch. Right. And, like, Karina and I have talked about, like, the gay erasure. Two heterosexual people have talked about the gay erasure of Cats the Musical mm-hmm. movie. Um, where, let's go into those relationships, because there's a lot to discuss here. Um, so, his relationships. He might be McCavity's son. That is a theory. Okay. How? I don't know. Um, he ends up with Victoria in the movie, because fine. Um, he's friends with two of the smooth cats in the musical, the other psychic cats, because magic, I guess. I do hate the smooth cats, and that yes. we have to call them that. Yes, um, there are, in the musical version, there are several, like, Siamese-looking smooth cats. Uh, Coracopat, Tantamile, Cassandra. All bad. All frightening. Um, yeah, calling them smooth cats really is cursed. Yeah. Yes, but that's what they are. They are. Um, now... The big one is he might be the mate of the Rum Tum Tugger. So, much like I didn't know there was a cat orgy, uh, didn't know there was a cat orgy until I was 26 years old. I am 27 now for context, so it's been about a year of knowing <laughs> that information. I had no thought whatsoever about cat relationships um, because why would I? But why also. Would you? I'm a I'm a hip young millennial. Yeah. I spend a lot of time on the internet. Um, I still Karina's very active on TikTok. I'm very active on TikTok. That is not where I learned my cat information, um, but I do still go on Tumblr, which is an unfortunate thing to have to tell people, but it's true. And if you want to know about which cats are fucking, you gotta go on Tumblr <laughs> because Tumblr will tell you that from day one, it has been. Mistopheles and Rum Tum Tugger. Apparently, and like I also just learned about this like recently as well. And I've done the show. I've known the show for a long time. And we watched the musical PBS version last night. Yep. And you can cut that sexual tension with a knife yes. between Tugger and Mistopheles. Oh I saw it for the first time as an adult, um, just recently, and they aren't even trying to be subtle. About no. It. Right. There is no other cat, as Lindsay pointed out to me. There's no other cat that comes on stage and is like. Let me sing a hype song about another cat. They're all pretty selfish. Right. Ex- with the exception of, like, the Jenny Any Dots, like, introductory number, which I think just comes from the fact that it's the first number. Sure. Rum Tum Tugger comes out and is like, let me quite literally sing the praises of Magical Mr. Mistopheles. And, like, I not- cannot tell you enough about how great Mistopheles is. You guys, look at how amazing this cat is. Yep. It's a straight thing, though. Yes. <laughs> but in a totally manly way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Except but, it's not even no homo. It's pretty homo. It's like, it's yeah, very it's homo. extremely homo. Like, and like, good for them. Like, have that representation in there. Representation matters. Yes. 
And, uh, so why'd you take it out of the movie? So why'd yeah. you take it out of the movie? What's up, Jason Derulo? Well, that's a larger question I can't answer I mean, we'll right get now. we'll get to the Jason Derulo of it all when we talk about the Rum He's Tum just, Tugger, but... Um, God. Yeah. Boy. Uh, right. So, um... He's doing great. He's doing great. Um, so, Mistopheles has his own big production number. Yes. I would argue... It is also kind of an 11 o'clock number. It People is. People give so much of that credit to memory, but we're forgetting about the big fat ensemble number where a tiny gay kitten conjures the patriarch again. Yeah. Uh, by spinning. By spinning. Um, so yeah, I think it actually it falls, unfortunately, into that sort of well, uh, with that Mistopheles falls into that, and so does Skimbleshanks a little bit, mm-hmm. because the like everybody is, is just sitting there going, oh, memory's coming memory's coming look I've, I've been in this theater for two and a half hours now memory's almost here right, right. and you thought you had memory once before because it also was in act one you're like right you got the- like the memory teaser right um and now the question magical mr mistopheles the song that everyone in the movie theaters sings along to apparently because yep. i've heard multiple i heard uh, that recounts. darren chris of glee uh, led in his, his entire theater in a sing-along to Magical Mr. Mistopheles. I heard that as well. Um, so I think we just answered the question, but does it slap? Here's the thing. Go on. Not every version slaps. The 2019 mm. soundtrack does not slap. It does I will not. skip it. Not. The 2019 also, version. No. I would argue that, again, slaps is not quite the right term. Um, because... So much of it. I mean, the chorus, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the whole rest of it, people are just like... Uh, uh, it's a bop, though. That's what I said. In my notes, I have... it's. I hate it, but it's a fucking bop. It's a bop. It is absolutely a bop, especially when you have like the traditional sense of it with Tugger being like, check out my boyfriend. Right. Also... Tugger is 100% like so into this song. He's more into it than Mistopheles. Yes. He gets talked about his cool boyfriend. Yes. Right. Um, he's also... This is the last named cat song that's true I didn't which even i think, think is that. an interesting like factoid that this is the last song in the soundtrack with a, a cat name as a title so he sort of closes out that chapter right of the show a hundred percent before like you're like okay and again he's not trying to get to the heavy side layer no he, he didn't even audition again he's a kitten like yes. like i know we're like it's it's weird but he is a child not yes. a child he's like maybe a teenager See, I gotta stop calling him children. i know i know like it's bad He's a young cat. He's a young, consenting adult cat. Of, of mating age. Yes. Of mating age. Well, that's the next question is, does he fuck? Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's in a committed relationship with Tugger. Yes. Tugger's, Tugger's treatment of Mistopheles is unmistakable. But, like... Uh, also, I, not to harp on it, but, like, the fact that everybody is freaked out that, that like, evil cat Satan has spirited away their patriarch <laughs> yep and everybody everybody's sitting there like oh no oh no what do we do and tugger is immediately like can't i tell you guys about my boyfriend yes <laughs> the like hard cut to in the like pbs recording to like just a close-up of rum tum tugger's face like a lot of eyebrow movement being like you ought to ask the magical mr mistopheles. mistopheles and you're like okay dude yeah i guess i, I had a quote about this that you enjoyed karina i, and I- it, so. Oh God! I believe I believe it was that everybody everybody here is everybody on stage is freaking out like the world is ending, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Rum Tugger is like, just give me a second, I'll get my ceiling twink to come down and fix this. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> the the, 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 the descends 
yes. The phrase... And then the phrase ceiling twink is just... It's two, masterful. Two perfect words <laughs> combined. That's, the, that's all there is to stop ladies, really. Is he's just... He's, he's a twink, twink in the ceiling. Um, the, other, the other thing that I do want to highlight is you sent me this clip uh, from the Rum Tum Tuggers song in at least the recorded 19-whatever uh, yep. version. Um, the... The line, the Rum Tum Tugger is a terrible bore, yep. is said by Mistopheles, or at least by the the cat that Mistopheles is when he's not Mistopheles, in the in the most like exasperated gay way. The Rum Tum Tugger like, is a terrible bore. Mm. Like, like, they just woke up that morning and had an argument about eggs. <laughs> he's, now he's just being, if you'll pardon the expression, catty about it. Hey-o! Oh. Not the first time that's gonna happen. Not the last. No. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, oh yeah, and I'm. Thank you for bringing up. Like, side note, he does double in the ensemble. He is also known as Quaxo when he's not Mistopheles, but yes. like he's so. And he looks exactly like Mistopheles. I was gonna say like, uh, it's he's so not wearing. Like, he's not wearing an illuminated jacket. Oh, we did not talk about <laughs> yeah, the illuminated I mean, jacket. That, that jacket he also keeps. Yes, that's I mean, a ceiling jacket. That's a ceiling jacket. Like, he keeps a whole trunk of, like, magical supplies up there. Um, also, quick quick aside, it's also my um, Twitter heading right now that I screencapped from a script I found online, which is Mistopheles descends, in the recording at least, descends mm-hmm. from the ceiling, does one spin, and then in the world's quietest, most beautiful, delicate voice goes, Presto! <laughs> <laughs> And oh, honestly, that's me. That's my aesthetic. When we did the show in youth theater, that was the butt of every fucking joke and cast. Everything came presto, back to... Presto, He's just... Oh, which, uh, I just remember that I doubled as Magical Mr. Mistopheles when I did this show. Yes, that makes and, sense. And essentially, well, and what that came from was... Um, so, as I mentioned, I played Monkey Strap, who's like sort of one of the leads. And we had... Two casts, because the shows were double cast, two casts of like 40 cats Jeez. aging from 7 to 17. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And the two dance captains were just like, hey, you can dance. Congratulations, you're Mistopheles. And I was like, but I don't want to be. And they were like, here's a dance break that's going to break your fucking soul. Yep. Um, almost quit the industry during that. That was dark. You were 15. I was 15. And I almost <laughs> gave it all up because I had a breakdown. Um, uh, now... I have a quick question about Mistopheles regarding youth theater productions. Sure. And again, coming back to high school, who sang Mr. Mistopheles in our high school production? Uh, Mr. Mistopheles did. Okay. Because we had such a large cast of talented high schoolers, um, we needed all of them to have their own songs. And that's not, uh, that's not me being sarcastic. No, that's a, just a true fact. Who played a major cat was incredible. Does that well, mean um, McCavity also sang his own song? No, that's actually the exception, um, because the song McCavity is just a little too, uh, like... You can't sing it about yourself. Yeah, you can't sing it about yourself. Um, so, but McCavity was also played by, uh, McCavity's, uh, the, the guy playing McCavity could also sing extremely well. He's, uh, one of the deepest bass voices yeah. I've ever heard. He did have, he did have a, a solo line at the end, but no, his song was sung about him, but everybody else sang her. Songs. Okay, that's well, what I thought. Well, that's a good point too, because like in the original Broadway recording, he does Mistopheles sings part of his own song. Yes, and also in the original Broadway recording, Mistopheles sings Mungo, Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser, which we have we have a lot of thoughts about that too. We have a lot of thoughts on that. We'll, yeah. we'll circle back. Um, but I think 
any other any last thoughts on um, uh, Mistopheles or even Victoria or Jamilabub? Uh, I would die for magical Mr. Mistopheles, and I think what they did to him in Catch Twenty Nineteen was an actual literal crime. All right. I think we should. I think we should talk a little bit more about the movie because the the choices made there, I think, were the weirdest. Because not only earlier we talked about how having beautiful ghosts be like this is the audience's problems uh, was a weird choice, but even weirder is, and this is the audience's goofy love interest. Um who sits on the big statue at the end with Judy Dench. Yep. Um, Mistopheles, I again, I I adore Mistopheles' favorite cat. Um, he takes his bows with Rotten Tum Tugger and Skimble Shanks. He's not there at the end bows with Grizabella and Deuteronomy. That's true. Uh, putting him up on the statue and having him be like... They really upped him to a main character. Right. In a way. Yeah. Which you would think it's kind of like it's kind of like wishing on a monkey's paw for Mistopheles to have a bigger role. <laughs> the, the result is you have a character who is a you you spend ninety percent of the movie feeling uncomfortable, like feel like secondhand discomfort, and then he like does the big thing, and it's it's one big thing that you don't even see because Judy Dench for the first time in the movie was not in her basket. Yes. <laughs> Um, and then he like kind of flies around the stage and then that's, that's done. Like you, he gets his big moment of character development and then nothing. And then yeah. it's just like, you get to cat make out with Victoria, uh, um, yikes. which is a lot of head rubbing. Uh, and it's very, right. it's very kind of uncomfortable. See, good um, for you so- for remembering all that because I mean, maybe it's just because I was very much not sober when I saw the movie, but I did not remember that at all. See, Lindsay and I were... A, stone cold sober, because we live in a small town where right. you have to do that. Yeah. And it was a Monday night. And also, uh, we had an entire movie theater to ourselves because no one else was seeing Cats 2019 at 7.15 on a Monday night. Right. We, so. we did not need any kind of substance. We could yell as much as we wanted. And, and we, we did. did. I'm happy for you guys. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think movie Misophilies was such a departure. The biggest departure, oh, I would say. 100%. I am... I am curious, how did we get there? Because it seems like Mistopheles was conceived by somebody who, A, was always, like, wanted their favorite cat to be the coolest love interest, but B, was just startlingly heterosexual. You're talking movie Mistopheles. Yes. Movie Mistopheles, of course, yes. Uh, there's, there's no excuse. They felt they needed a male lead. Right. But they couldn't make him... And they're like, well, everyone knows Mistopheles. Because I do think Mistopheles is probably one of the most recognizable names from Cats. Absolutely. So they were like, people know Mistopheles. We can make him a main character, but not in his current iteration. So we need to make him into a bumbling high school teenager. Right. Boy. And also, because it's like, you can't have, and like, who's going to be Victoria's love interest? Like, right. it's not going to be Jason Derulo. It's not going to be Monkey Strap. Like, it, it has to be this like other young like young bumbling cat bumbling cat like the other yeah so we need a young bumbling cat we need it to be somebody that we recognize right i mean victoria already has a wildly different role than she did in the original why not repurpose a different cat i guess because all the other cats are i mean also i think because victoria was victoria is so iconic herself like the white cat is like an icon from even if they don't know her name they know they know the the white white cat. cat And, like, the white cat is, like, a whole symbol on Broadway. Like, when a show 
in its run surpasses the amount of performances at which Cats on Broadway closed in 2000. There was a whole like handing off ceremony, like a like a ceremonial passing of the torch, where one white cat comes on and like dances for a little bit and then like congratulates I don't know the cast of Les Misérables, the cast of Chicago, the cast of Phantom of the Opera, and just kind of goes on her way. A literal white cat? A literal, not a literal one, like a dancer. Okay, in a white cat costume. Yes, like they they resurrect Victoria from the grave. That's wild. Yeah, it's a thing. Like Broadway's wild. Broadway's weird. Fucking love it. Yeah, Mistopheles is just, it's just, a, it's a whole series of choices that I will never understand for Cats 2019. Of course, yeah. I mean, like, and I I don't want to say, but like, if we just let it be, like, that's just what you have to accept it as. We're like, no, no, we need answers. And it's not even like we're here to bash that stuff. Like, we're just here no. to ask why. I enjoyed the heck out of Cats 2019, but I think that one part was bad. Sure. Capital saying, B bad. Saying that you enjoyed it and saying that it was a comprehensible movie are two different things. Yes. Yes. That's also very That just kind of mind fucked me a little bit. Also, Mistopheles feels like a cat who should be wearing shoes and the fact that he's not is unpleasant. Oh, I mean, you could say that about all of them. Like, if they had just given all those cats jazz shoes, I would have been fine. We didn't need feet. Well, like, Diana, like, it would have been enough. That if they were just wearing shoes, but the rest of them still looked the way that they did, then they would all be more naked than they already were. Much like the cats that Touché. were wearing sneakers. Right. Yeah, any cats that were wearing clothes were more naked when those clothes came off. Mm-hmm. Than the cats that were completely naked at the beginning. Oh, That's right. Again, I was not sober when I saw this, so that is an excellent point. All right, I think that about rounds up our conversation on uh, horny, horny teen- young cats. Horny teenage cats. <laughs> horny teenage cats. Um, a great jingle. Yep. So <laughs> now, Lindsay, um, this is the time when you get to cast your vote for who you think actually deserves to go to the heavy side lair. We are doing this as a democracy. Not as a patriarchy. Um, so Thank who, God. In this tribe of cats, it could be anyone. Um, who do you vote for to ascend to the heavyside lair? Now, obviously, Deuteronomy's choice of Grizabella is a sympathy and understanding that she, uh, she wanted a new life. Um, here's my thinking. Send Gus to the heavyside lair. And just be nicer to Grizabella. Exactly. Hey, Lindsay, like, you and I are of the same mindset. Gus is, I mean, this is not just, obviously the last time I saw Gus was, uh, he was Ian McKellen, and he completely stole the show. I was going to say. Ian McKellen can do anything, obviously. And he also looked like he was having such a great time, which I enjoyed. Yes. He, um, yeah. But Gus has worked very, very hard his entire life. He has lived a good life, and he has been... Um, he has been successful and he has been happy and now his his life is coming to a close very naturally he has he is no longer uh he is reliving his glory days but he is no longer able to experience them and so if gus could go and have a new life uh he could go and sort of achieve something achieve something new and different and and bright and have the future that he wants whereas grizabella all Grizabella needs to have a new life is for the other cats to not be dicks. Right. Yep. Okay. And it kind of seems like Deuteronomy at the end today, Grizabella, you are the choice, uh, makes the other cats say, oh, hey, she actually is the choice and pretty cool at that. Uh, all Deuteronomy had to say was, guys, that's kind of fucked up, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't excommunicate somebody. 
um, because she's clearly very sad and she's singing a lot about memories. Um, do you think maybe we could all just be nicer to Christabella? I know that she is theoretically old. She's an old cat, but... But so are, like, a handful of like them. Yeah. Have just as good of a time if people, in, like... She can be things. next year's. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Give her a year to, like, give back to the community. Like, Poor teach... Poor Gus the... with his paws. Yeah. They shake. Oh, man. Like, oh, Gus, like, might have just gone off to die when Skimbleshanks came on and, like, fucked everything up. Oh, man. Um, but we're going too far into, yes. into that. But anyway... Um, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us Yay! today. Um, it was a delight. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I truly appreciate all of your insight and um, thoughts and experience on this topic. Uh, if people... And you know what? You can have the phrase ceiling twink for free. Woo! I was taking it anyway. Yep. Uh, <laughs> if people want to see any of your work or thoughts online, do you have anywhere you would like to be found? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Elevator Lich. Um, I don't necessarily recommend it, but <laughs> that is where you can find me. All right, Karina, where can people find you? You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Epic Adventure of. Uh, don't at me. I made up this handle when I was 18, and I'm sticking with it. Uh, you can also see me play D&D online. Uh, we stream our games and you can find me at twitch.tv slash spoodersnack which is s-p-o-d-e-r-s-n-e-k uh you can find me there most wednesdays and fridays uh at your own risk but <laughs> you can find me there and you can find me at ibroski on twitter and instagram at brodsky ian on facebook and at ianjbrodsky.com for um updates and the like um all right I'm Ian Brodsky. I'm Karina Stokes. And, and that's, that's how you conjure a patriarch in 24 turns. Yeah. Damn. <laughs>out more about podcast a podcast about cats the musical not the animal by finding us on social media we are on both twitter and instagram at jellicle pod and you can always reach us by email at jellicle podcasts at gmail.com cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.